and welcome to the Gridiron Show in association with Visit Dallas and Fort Worth and, of course, the brilliant touchdown trips. The first round of the draft is in the books. And after what was a technical nightmare of Matt Sherry-level proportions, we have finally managed to get start recording this podcast about seven hours later than originally intended. Uh, we've slept in that time. It hasn't just been seven hours of trying to fix microphones and try and figure out why sound cards don't work. But uh, the show today is going to be a bit stripped back. Just me and Simon Clancy, the way I've always wanted it to be. <laughs> what an intro. <laughs> you know it's true, buddy. You know it's true. Um, how, uh, how are you feeling this fine morning? Yeah, I could do with some more sleep, to be fair, but uh, it's all fine. Good. Well, I mean, you say you could do with some more sleep. Maybe you should have done what Sherry did and uh, waited until the Patriots' first pick and then just basically KO. Unbelievable. Invited me around to his gaff, fell asleep after about two hours. It was absolutely pathetic. Snoring, like a, snoring like a big man, baby. <laughs> you sent a very funny video where you, you were closing up on him. I'm guessing tried to send us a video of him snoring, but he woke up and it was like that moment in Jurassic Park where they think that the, they think the dinosaurs are asleep, but the eye just slowly opens up. It was very, very funny. I, that's, honestly, that's exactly what it was like. I mean, exactly. At 4 a.m., I was a giggling mess. Yeah. I just—it was absolutely perfect. So we thank should, you for that. We should stick that up on the uh, on the Gridiron account. Well, I thought about it this morning, and then I didn't think Sherry would be all, all that happy about it. Uh, but I, I think he'd be fine. Yeah, good, good. Uh, that's him in the background saying no, was it? Uh, right, so what a first round we had. Seven trades, eight of you include the Raiders uh, getting Martavis Bryant from the Steelers as well, which you know, was a trade involving this draft. You absolutely should do. Also Five saved the Raiders' first round, that did. Yeah, just a bit, just a bit. Bay Area's reaching for tackles was a very much a uh, yeah. a, uh, a feature of this first round. Five quarterbacks going, including the big trade at the very end with the Ravens moving back in to take Lamar Jackson. Um, yeah, all in all, a, a nice, exciting first round. Some some surprises. I, I mean, just before I, I guess we go through it, kind of pick by pick. But before we do that, what was the uh, what was the kind of standout moment for you? What was the what were you particularly excited by, shocked by? I think Baker going first was, was a great moment. That kind of, you know, all that tension that built up and John Dorsey, the kind of the CIA agent in terms of keeping everything under wraps. And, you know, he's finally told Hugh Jackson who the pick is, which is great news. Um, but uh, it's, um, that, that was a great moment. You know, the commissioner walking out and, you know, would it be Donald? Would it be Allen? Would it be Baker? Um, and, you know, for us, Baker was the best. And for me, Baker was the best quarterback in the draft and they made the right pick. So, um, you know, kudos to the kudos to the Browns. I, I thought the falling of Josh Rosen was, you know, and I loved his press conference afterwards when he was asked, you know, how he felt about his position. And he was, you know, he had a serious chip on his shoulder. And he said, you know, nine mistakes were made before before I was taken, which was interesting that the Giants passing on a quarterback to take to take a running back. Dave, Dave Gentleman taking a running back for the second year running, I thought was interesting. Um, and then some of the falls of the defensive players. You look at Minka Fitzpatrick at eleven, Tremaine Edmonds falling down into the, into the teens, Derwin James at seventeen, which was a, which was a shock. Um, I thought the Raiders had an absolute shocker. Colton Miller for me, not even a you know his back end second round player. Um, I thought the Packers did very well, uh, trading down, uh, stealing a first round pick next year off the Saints. I mean, essentially the Packers moved down four spots ultimately because they traded back up, gave up a fifth rounder, got a first rounder back in in. Um, in kind and also you know drafted the 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 second best cornerback in, on the board in Jair Alexander and also much as it pains me to say it, I think the Patriots had a great day uh, Isaiah Wynn was the best left tackle in the draft I know I know he's lots of people were projecting him to be a guard but in the magazine we had him at left tackle he's a little bit undersized but he's a terrific player uh, and then he reminds so, me of um Kelvin Beecham undersized he? good okay. feet yeah, I, I think like that's that's because people think guys under kind of six four, six five can't be a tackle in the NFL. And I think Kelvin Beecham, for the year that he was really good at Pittsburgh, kind of proved it can be done if you've got good technique. Yeah, I mean, I think you know when you start outside left tackle in the SEC and absolutely dominate, then why can't you play left tackle in the NFL? I don't, you know, I don't have a massive. I don't have a massive issue with, with, with Wynn playing at tackle. I think it was interesting when he was announced as a tackle, the Patriots, obviously, that's where they see him. And then coming back and taking Sony Michelle, who's, you know, the second best running back on my board behind Saquon Barkley, that was a tremendous pick. And, you know, if you're going to 
if you're going to extend Tom Brady's career, he, the guy's 41 years old, then continue to get him playmakers. And it's all part of that evolution of the, you know, we talk about it often enough, the evolution of the, the Patriots offense. They take it on a year-by-year basis. Uh, and it's patently obvious that Sony Michelle is going to get an awful lot of carries in that in that offense, or at least he should. Um, and and that kind of year by year basis that 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 uh, they take on what they're going to do. I think um, I think that's a great pick for them. So it was a very very interesting first round, and then the Ravens capped it off at the end, sort of bookending it nicely. Lovely symmetry with the with the Heisman Trophy winners going first and thirty second. Coming up to take Lamar Jackson, but a lot of good players have fallen as well. You know, it's going to be a really interesting second round. A lot, I suspect, a lot of trades in that top end of the second round. A lot of guys I mean, who probably thought they were going off the board in the first, Harold Landry and Will Hernandez and people like that, falling down to the second round. So it'll be, it was a, it was a good day, and it sets it up nicely for the day. I mean, you've essentially covered most of it there, so we can probably <laughs> just leave it there, guys. Uh, you've been listening to the Green Show. Thanks for joining us. But, uh, uh, <laughs> uh, yeah, no, I um, let, let's run through because some of them we can we can basically skip over and, and we can just kind of uh, go through them quite quickly. But top, going from the top, uh, Baker to the Browns. I I love the idea that they they read the gridiron preview and realised he was the best guy in the draft. Um, I, you know, there will be the question marks have been over Baker Mayfield the whole time, and we immediately heard people like Lewis Riddick saying they didn't think it was a good fit, but I. I, I mean, how I can it not no be? I don't understand it. how it could be a, not be a good fit because you're going to build the team around him. I mean, yeah, how is exactly. that, it makes no sense to me whatsoever. I mean, I really like Lewis Riddick, but that that that's just how could you say it's not a good fit? Because the I, Browns' offense last year was a completely stripped back version of what Hugh Jackson was doing in uh, Cincinnati. It was not a full firing Hugh Jackson offense. You could see that they were doing much more basic things, whether it was their route concepts, whether it was their blocking. Like they basically just stripped it all back because they didn't think they had a quarterback who could handle it all. Like you say, build it around Baker Mayfield, and I believe Hugh Jackson is a good enough offensive mind to figure that out. Absolutely. Uh, well, you know, and if he's not, they'll get somebody else in, and you know. But I, I thought that was a great pick at the, the top. Um, Squan Barkley goes number two. I mean, I very much was banging the table for Sam Darnold or, or Josh Rosen for the Giants because I know Matt Sherry feels the same about this, but I don't see Eli as the long-term future. And I think if... I have no problem with drafting a running back, particularly one as good as Saquon Barkley, at the top of the draft. But I think you should do it if you think you are one or two players away from at least reaching the last stage of the playoffs, if not the Super Bowl. And I don't think the Giants are quite that team yet. And so you are talking about... You You think that you can win the Super Bowl in the next five years if you're taking a player like Saquon Barkley. And I think without an upgrade at quarterback, I don't think that's true. Yeah, I mean, it's, I was surprised they passed on Darnold. I thought that would be the pick. But, you know, if you think that, that Barkley is a transcendent talent, which, you know, many people do, then I kind of can't argue against it. And it's certainly what it does is offer... Much as we talked about Sony Michelle to the to the Patriots, it offers a, a modicum of longevity for Eli Manning because it's uh, you know and he hasn't had a decent running game in a while, uh, and you, you you know you're going to pair Saquon with with uh, Odell Beckham and with uh, the ty- uh, um, Evan Engram who came out in the first round last year and Sterling uh, Shepard uh, and those yeah. guys. So you know that gives them a very diverse and you know high powered offense. So. In a way, you can't argue against it, but if Eli does struggle, then there will be questions asked of of what they were doing in terms of passing over a guy like Sam Darnold. And ultimately, they'll be judged on what not what Barkley does, but what Darnold or Rosen or Allen or Lamar Jackson do, um, which will be an I interesting think as, thing. As, as, as well, you've also got the fact that I I am not in any position, unlike yourself, to start talking about next year's quarterback class potential. But there's a lot of thought that it's nowhere near where this class is. So, you know, you have to think, well, we're now going to be waiting another two years until there's somebody draftable. And by which point we're hoping we're picking a lot later in the first round. So Yeah, exactly. I mean, you know, there are interesting quarterbacks. The, the kid at Oregon, the, the, the Missouri kid, um, potentially Shea Patterson at Michigan. And, you know, Drew Lockett. Drew Locke is a very interesting, you know, quarterback. Uh, so, so there are there are definitely options out there, but it's it, it certainly doesn't shape up immediately to be to be you know, Jarrett Stidham at, at Auburn, but it's not shaping up to be the the quarterback draft that this year looks at the moment. So we, we'll see how that plays out. So you know, it'll be interesting for the Giants moving forwards. 
I'm going to roll through the next few picks. The Browns take Denzel Ward, the cornerback. He stays in Ohio. I think some people were surprised they didn't take Chubb to, to pair opposite uh, uh, Miles Garrett, but uh, I, I still, I, you know, he's a you look at, player. Yeah, you look at him, they've got, they got Emmanuel Ogba, and, you know, he's a, an excellent pass rusher, so I can kind of understand it. You know, Denzel Ward is yeah. a really good player. can play outside, can play inside in the slot, and they, need, they really need a cornerback help as well, so it's a decent pick. Uh, the Broncos take Bradley Chubb Excellent. in order to, yeah, really big fan of that. Colts take Quentin Nelson. I mean, they are weak and weak and weak at right guard, but I did look at it and think, that's a great player, but the amount of defensive help the Colts need, I was surprised that they didn't go for either one of the top linebackers yeah. or one of those defensive backs that was still available. When you had Minka Fitzpatrick, and especially Roquan Smith on the board, and then you take Quentin Nelson, that you know, given how bad that, that Indianapolis defense is. And I, I get that you want to protect Andrew Luck, but, you know, they're not even sure Andrew Luck's going to play again. So, you, you know, you're taking a, you're taking a big risk. And, and Nelson obviously is very good. He, number two player, I think, on our board. But I, I question I question taking a, a, a left guard when you could have had, you know, a, potentially a, a generational linebacker in Roquan Smith or, a, you know, an outstanding sort of Swiss Army knife in on the back end to pair with Malik Hooker in, um, in Minka Fitzpatrick. So, oh, I like the Swiss it, Army knife. That's a great go. So, nice yeah, one. I, I'm not a massive fan of that, I've got to say. Um, the uh, But then the Buffalo Bills give up the 53rd and 56th pick. Overall, they're two second rounders to move up five spots from 12 to seven with the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. And they do take the big arm in the cold weather, Josh Allen, the quarterback, out of Wyoming. Um, I, I said this on TalkSport last night, but I think that jo- Josh Allen's one of those players where a coach and a GM have to believe their own egos that they are good enough to coach this guy up. And I'm not too convinced that Sean McDermott at all are the ones to do it. Yeah, I mean, I mean, for me, I, I just don't get it because I, I, I'm, I'm not a Josh Allen fan. I mean, he's so inaccurate that he was drafted by Buffalo, but he might well turn up in Detroit. I mean, that's how inaccurate he is. I mean, he is, um, uh, he is you know, uh, uh, and they've drafted him because of the strong winds and the, you know, and he can throw through a, you know, throw through a barn door, as it were. But a 54%, 56% accuracy quarterback at a low level college does not become a 65% accuracy quarterback in the NFL when the windows are significantly smaller um, I was reading Peter King this morning and he had a long conversation with Brandon Bean last night and, uh, and Bean was very critical of the way that uh, Allen had behaved on social media because Yahoo turned up some some very uncomfortable tweets that he'd done when he was sort of 16, 17 using sort of racial epithets and um, they had sort of a 35 minute phone call yesterday morning where apparently Josh Allen got very upset, started crying and uh, and Bean was, you know, you've got to pull yourself together, you've got to, you know, you need to own this and uh, he sort of went through all of these tweets one by one and seemed like he was fairly admonished for, for his behaviour and rightly so and, and Bean had said, look, look you know, he's going to have to they spoke to the leadership council of the players on the bills about about what would happen if if they drafted Allen, um, and the fact that he's going to have to you know seriously win the trust now of some of those veteran players, given you know some of the things he wrote, some of the things he liked in terms of his Twitter uh, his Twitter correspondence, as it were. So um, I'm not a fan of the pick. Uh, I'm a Miami Dolphins fan, so having the you know an inaccurate quarterback in the division is excellent. I would have been much more disappointed if they'd taken Josh Rosen. So for me, it's a great pick. Um, the Bears take Roquan Smith. Great, great pick. pick. Vic Fangio uh, is. Did you hear that story? He had a hole in one yesterday I did, while yes. playing a round of golf, I did. and then go and then goes and gets to pair Roquan Smith with Danny Trevathan. They, I mean, I watched the Vic Fangio defense for a long time in San Francisco. They basically play absolutely zero dimes. You need two good athletic linebackers, and it looks like they've got that now. Um, I mean, I mean, you're getting a modern day. You're getting a modern day Patrick Willis potentially. I'm not saying he's as good as Patrick Willis, but you know. You are getting that kind of player, you know, a potentially generational linebacker. So, you know, that that is a that's a great pick. Uh, the 49ers... And speaking of golf, by the way, speak, sorry, speaking of golf, yeah, yeah, Sherry and I played golf yesterday. A little bit of match play action. Came down to the 18th. I was one up. Sherry pulled it back, and on the extra hole, I won. I won. Took it home. Took it yeah. home. Anyway, I'm I digress. Yeah, I mean, I'm glad to hear it because had it been Sherry who'd won, there's We'd no never way we would let it. you record the podcast. Exactly. We'd never have heard the end of it. That's yes. the problem. You'd have heard of old uh, uh, 
Oh, here we go. Crikey. Here we go. Uh, Mike McGlinchey, uh, the tackle out of Notre Dame, goes to the 49ers. Nasty player looking to protect Jimmy Garoppolo. A slight surprise in terms of uh, not the biggest need on the 49ers because they've got Trent Brown and Joe Staley. Um, they obviously must be really high on him in the, in the building. It's, it's not a pick I was a huge fan of, but actually John Lynch has done enough over his first kind of 15 months in charge that I, I'm trusting him enough at this point I, yeah. I'll accept it. I'll take again, it. Again, like Buffalo, I think... Uh, not like Buffalo, sorry. Again, like Indianapolis, it's uh, it's a bit of a head-scratcher when you consider some of the players that were still on the board in terms of, you know, yeah. defensive needs that you had. Um, that, for me, was a surprise, I've got to say. I mean, lots of smart people kept saying that McGlinchey was going to go top 10. And he's a decent player. He really is. I just... Uh, I don't know, the fit feels slightly uncomfortable for me in terms of the guys that you had and the other needs that you have. Um, so the, the only the only kind of thing I would say um, is if they think he's that great and he, they've just given Joe Staley this two-year extension, Joe Staley is a great guy and I love the idea of him working and learning with Joe Staley. I mean, to me, he's, he's a plug-and-play starter at right tackle and he reminded me of Jack Conklin. So, you know, you, you, he'll be a day-one starter at right tackle. I think you can kick uh, Trent back inside. Um, so I, I think he's a, I think it's a solid pick. I don't think it's a spectacular pick, but you know, you need to protect that investment as well. Like you said, um, I just think it was a bit of a shame given the, the excellent players that were on, on the board, um, defensively that could have really helped you. Uh, the Arizona Cardinals move up from 15 to 10. And let's be honest, don't give up a huge amount to do it. The, th- the 79th pick, the 152nd pick, that's their third and their fifth. The 79th pick to the Raiders eventually became um, uh, became uh, the uh, Martavis Bryant, the yeah. uh, Pittsburgh Steelers wide receiver. But they move up. They get Josh Rosen at 10. I mean, it's one of those funny ones. Josh Rosen... Had it still been with the with Carson Palmer there, had it still been with uh, with the same coaching staff and everyone else there, would would have felt like the absolute perfect pick to me. I, I don't know enough about the new staff coming in to say whether or not it's going to be, but uh, like I love Rose getting Rosen as the fourth quarterback, and it feels like Arizona should be a good fit should the coaching staff know how to use him. Yeah, it's a total value pick, I think, and uh, you know a no brainer for me. I think the the Cardinals, and you know, credit to Steve Kime and to Michael Bidwell because you know they're they're good in the draft. They know how to use the board. They know how to manipulate it to their advantage. Uh, and I don't think having Sam Bradford or Mike Glennon uh, uh, there are um, you know blockers to. to to Josh Rosen, potentially even becoming the starter this year. Um, I don't see any reason why not. You know, he could be in the mix, but he can also sit behind a, a guy like a very professional guy like Sam Bradford for a year. Um, so to me, that's a, that, that was just an you know, outstanding value pick there for the Cardinals. <laughs> Sam Bradford, by the way, for the second time in three years, gets paid $20 million yeah. plus dollars to be a placeholder. What a time That's... to be alive. <laughs> Absolutely. Uh, he truly lives in the dankest timeline. Um, but the only thing I will say, two concussions going behind an offensive line, which isn't famed for being the yeah. best in the NFL. That's the only thing we should watch out for, yeah. potentially. Uh, the Buccaneers at 12, right? That's the next pick. Yeah. That's <laughs> surprising. Uh, you you were pretty delighted, I'm guessing, with the Dolphins getting Minka uh, eleven. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I thought you know, I mean, for, for me, it was it, it was always going to be one of three players if we could get our hands on one of three players: Derwin James, Roquan Smith, or Minka Fitzpatrick. And you know, for Fitzpatrick to be there, I, I'm told that the Dolphins wouldn't have taken Josh Rosen even if he had been there. That they were they were targeted in on on Fitzpatrick and never thought he was going to be there. Um, but as I said five minutes ago, absolute Swiss Army knife. And what he does for the Dolphins is that, you know, he allows Miami to play 4-3 base defense, to play nickel and to play sort of big nickel without changing any of the personnel because he can play essentially six positions on that back end. So it allows Miami the ability to disguise coverages, which they haven't been able to do very well um, over the over the last two seasons, certainly. Um, so, you know, it just makes things more difficult for, for, for offensive coordinators in, in knowing who's playing where and who's doing what. Um, you know, he could play boundary corner. Uh, he could play free safety. He could play slot corner. You know, Bobby McCain is a free agent after the season, a very good slot corner. Um, but it's a tremendous pick. And, you know, I saw a quote from a general manager um, in the run-up to the draft this week who said that it, Minka Fitzpatrick turned up to their building. He had a suit coat on. 
he had a leather briefcase in his briefcase was a, a series of notes and stuff and, and the guy just said look he blew us away carried himself like a five-year pro he's uh i think he's a tremendous pick and you know you heard mike mayock talking about nick saban last night saban chokes up when he talks about fitzpatrick said he's the best player he's ever coached at alabama which is high praise indeed so um i think that's a terrific value another terrific value pick for the dolphins there um, I'm going to kind of pair the next two together, the Buccaneers and then Washington at 13. Uh, both take defensive tackles. Uh, Washington ended with Deron Payne out of Alabama, which feels, uh, I mean, he's the second best run stuffer in the draft and it's exactly what they needed on the line. But I think they did it because they missed out on the big 347-pound beast, Vita Vea, who went to the Buccaneers at 12. I mean, from a Buccaneers perspective, pairing him with Gerald McCoy and those pass rushes that they brought in in free agency, their defensive line looks great it's is another one where there were other positions i think they needed more help in particularly defensive back and particularly with somebody on the board uh somebody on the board like derwin james or even jair alexander but you know they've added a strength to a position of strength yeah i'm very surprised they passed on derwin james i have to say it was interesting to hear that Vaya would have been the pick even if they'd have even if they'd have kept their original pick at seven um uh, and i like Vaya. he's a really good player but I, sus- I suspect that there will he will only play 30 snaps a game because I don't think he'll be on the field in, in pass rushing situations. So essentially you've brought in a two-down player. When you could have, there's a potential that they could have waited to, to their pick in the, in the second round and taken a, a guy like Harrison Phillips of Stanford, a, a terrific run defending player, and then taken Derwin James in the first. They, they will absolutely probably have the opportunity they flipped it and take Vita Vera in the first round and then have an opportunity uh, Ronnie Harrison or uh, or uh, Jesse Bates or someone like that and Justin Reed of Stanford in, in round two so uh, you know that's clearly the way they're going to play it I was just surprised they passed on they surprised that they passed on Derwin but you know Vea's an excellent player he's a really good player and his upside is huge I mean he's only really scratching the ceiling of his um of his uh, ability, of his talents. And then Deron Payne, you know, he turned it on massively in the playoffs last year. His two games um, in the college football playoffs, he was an absolute beast. He, he does remind me of Ndamukong Sue. He's not as ferocious as Sue as a pass rusher, but he is a very, very, very good player. Um, and that's a, I thought that was a solid pick for Washington as well. So two really good players. Um, yeah, nothing more to say. The Saints move up a big jump from 27 all the way up to 14. A lot of, ooh, could this be Lamar Jackson speculation when it happens? They give up a first next year plus a fifth this year to take that from the Packers. But if you're not going to move up to get a quarterback, the only other position, realistically for me, that you would jump up big for is pass rusher. So difficult to get top-tier guys unless you're picking at the top of the draft. And they take the guy who most people think was the second best in the draft in Marcus Davenport out of UTSA. A lot to give up, but did you like the pick? Um, did I like the pick? I, I, I'm i reticent to say I like the pick. I, I think Davenport is a mulligan player for me in that you're going to have to take a year out with him because he's he's so so raw. Played at such a you know a, a small level, really struggled the first few days at senior bowl practices. Came on a bit towards the back end, played well in the game. It's an awful lot to give up. I mean, the Packers I think absolutely fleeced the the um, the Saints, and it really did feel like moving up for Lamar Jackson, who under Sean Payton would have had a terrific you know a terrific coach to work with. I was very surprised it wasn't Lamar Jackson. I've got to say, and to give all that up to move up to get a pass rusher when you could have, you know, you could have potentially taken a Harold Landry if you'd have stayed there. I mean, I, I don't think you should be giving up a first round pick for, for to jump up that far if you're not taking a quarterback really, especially with Drew Brees being the age that he is on the one year contract. It's um, it's uh, it's interesting. I think it's uh, it's certainly interesting. I mean, I, I think Davenport has huge upside. But he could also flame out as a you know because he is raw. He's got a lot of talent, very powerful, can you know, destroyed pockets at the level that he played at. But you know UTSA is the NFL is not UTSA, so we shall see. It'll be a very interesting one. Uh, but I, I will say, I tell you what, I will say yeah, this. Though, I will say this for the Saints that they earned the ability to be able to do this with the draft that they had last year. You know, they absolutely, yeah. that, that was one of the great drafts of all time last year. If you look at the players that they brought in, you know, you go back to some of the old 49ers drafts, the year they drafted Don Griffin and, uh, and players like that. That was one of the great, Steve Wallace, that was one of the great drafts of all time. Last year's draft by the Saints was that. And I kind of feel like 
it afforded them the opportunity to do something a bit out of the box. You know, I, I think other GMs would have been more criticised. But, you know, when you can bring in a Marshawn Lattimore and a Marcus Williams and a, uh, and the tackle that they brought in last year and Alexander alone. Yeah, exactly. I just think, you know, you Alvin kind of earn... Yeah, and- you earned yourself the right to be able to to be able to do something a little bit out, uh, out of the box. So, I, you know, I applaud the thinking. I'm just not sure that, that it was the right player. Uh, it's interesting. They did say they liked uh, Trey Hendrickson as well. And they've obviously got uh, Cameron Jordan and yeah. the fellow Sheldon Rankins there. So I mean, there's plenty there's plenty of depth there now. But, uh, yeah, it, is, it was an odd one to pay that much, not for a quarterback. The Raiders take Colton Miller, which, I mean, you could tell... That's this a terrible point, pick. You, you can tell this is the point in the night where I was... Um, where I was starting to either flag or go a bit baggy because I've made little notes. I, I did a spreadsheet as I was going along because I was doing it on uh, on the radio and so I wanted to make sure I remembered each pick. And I literally just wrote next to this one, reachy, reachy, reach, reach, reach. Yeah, I mean, it was a, a massive reach. I mean, to me, Colin Miller was a late second round pick. Uh, I don't like his footwork. Um, he A few years ago, USC had a player called Taylor Mays who everybody talked about. as He was a safety. Everybody talked about him being a top five pick. And every time I watched him on film, I just thought he was terrible. He took terrible angles. Um, I just thought he was massively overrated. And I think Colin Miller's massively overrated. I, I think he'll get shoved around. He's athletic. Obviously, he performed very well at the combine. Um, it, that, that Colin Miller, to me, is an Al Davis pick. It's it's the the kind of the height, weight, speed kind of pick that Al Davis always used to take. I, I just I, I don't understand it, but you you know I'm not John Gruden and I've not won a Super Bowl, so you know I'm not I, I can't think that Reggie McKenzie necessarily signed off on that one, and that kind of speaks to the power of John Gruden in that I mean, draft. Sher- Sherry's not on the line at the moment, but. I um, he's so convinced that John Gruden's going to be a success in Oakland. I am so far the other way. Yeah, I'm. I'm, I think I'm with you actually on that. I mean, like I said earlier, I think they saved their draft with the Martavis Bryant trade. If they can get his head right, then you know that's a big time number one receiver that they got for the 79th pick. But Cole Miller, not for me, Clive. And honestly, necessary because you've already had uh, you, you've had Amari Cooper fall off a cliff in the last two years. Yeah. You've had you've signed Jordy Nelson, who we all love Jordy Nelson, but at his age with his injury history, we don't know if he's going to be anything at this. He can't point. run. Yeah. It's a lot of concern. Uh, The Bills trade up. The next trade, so many trades, it was so much fun. Uh, The Bills trade up, they give up a third round pick to move up from 22. It was with the Ravens at the time, wasn't it? He traded back again. Um, uh, To get Tremaine Edmonds, the linebacker out of Virginia Tech, another guy who people saw as a kind of borderline top 10 pick. just 19 years old, doesn't turn 20 until this week, 6-4, can pass rush on third down, can probably, uh, looks like a guy who's athletic enough to kind of cover tight ends, etc. He's, he's a kind of player the Bills needed, quite desperately. Their linebackers have been decimated recently. Um, I, I, I like this a lot more than the Josh Allen pick, I'll say that. Yeah, I mean, he's a tremendous player. He can play inside middle linebacker. Um, and they thought they'd struck out home run with Reggie Ragland a couple of years ago. The kid from Alabama who tore his knee and then came back and was very disappointing. Went to Kansas City in an excellent year last year. Uh, he can play strong side linebacker. He is an athletic freak. He's going to remind you a lot of Anthony Barr. Like you say, he can rush, he can rush and, and bend the edge um, uh, as a pass rusher. He's tremendous in coverage. You know, he'll not only can cover tight ends, he'll line up in the slot against receivers um, and can cover them step for step, running backs out of the backfield. Uh, he's only 19, which is a which is a not a concern, but you know has to be taken into consideration. Um, and you wonder, in terms of you know, at his second, at his second contract, he's only going to be twenty four. You know, he'll be he'll be younger when he gets his second contract than Hayden Hurst is today. Yeah. As, you know, in his first contract. Um, so you know, he could be a guy that when he hits his second contract, is only just coming into his prime. Um, but bloodlines are amazing. You know, his father was Pharrell Edmonds, the Dolphins' pro bar tight end. Um, I think he's a tremendous player, and it's a really good pick. And his brother, Terrell, taken at 28 in what was... I'm just going to jump ahead to this. One of the absolute moments of last night, having Ryan Shazier come out uh, yeah. to make that pick for the Steelers, walking out to the podium. I mean, obviously, it was it's devastatingly sad to see just how much he, he is still struggling to walk, but equally... There was talk about him never regaining feeling in the bottom half of his body yeah. at one point. So, yeah, you've got to take the positives uh, from it. And uh, the, the way he was reacted to by everyone there as a hero, not just the Steelers fans, I thought it was 
just absolutely like uplifting and exactly what I needed at 4.30 in the morning. Yeah, it was a good moment. It was a great moment. It was kind of shocking to see, you know, because he talked about playing again and stuff and you kind of thought, you know, it's probably never going to happen. But some of those videos of him working out and stuff, but, you know, just to be able to see him walk was was incredible. But, um, you know, he clearly has a long way to go, but he's clearly um, doing an amazing job with it. And like you say, it was a, it was a great moment in the whole place, you know, it seemed to be a lot of people, you know, in tears and stuff. And, um, so more power to him. It was terrific. Right. Let's uh, let's talk about this Chargers defense. Phil Joey, Bo- Joe- Joey Bosa and Melvin Ingram off the edges. Casey Hayward and Jason Verrett at corner. Uh, and they add Derwin James to this ridiculous amount of talent they've already got there. How he's fallen to this point? Insane value. Apparently, they were thinking about Lamar Jackson at this point. Is is what was coming out? But I think when Joe and James Wilson, you know, hold on, how good could our defense be if we can stay healthy? Yes, please. I mean, I think he's got the fastest track to being an All Pro of any player in this draft. Him and Roquan Smith, and I think yeah. he, he, you know his athletic upside is off the charts. So you know, and they should be able to do loads of creative stuff, especially with that corner back tandem of Verrett and, and Hayward because you know that will allow James the ability to do so much more because they're so tight at corner um, just an absolutely great pick I think for the, for the Chargers just you know and follows in the footsteps of the likes of Deion Sanders and, and Jalen Ramsey and you know and, and here comes Derwin and an absolute stud a great kid off the field as well so tremendous pick for the Chargers an amazing night for the Packers continues as they move up nine picks with just one third round pick and take a player who, let's be honest, the Seahawks could have really done with in Jair Alexander. Yeah, I mean, Brian Guttenkunst had a great draft. Uh, you know, he moved down, absolutely fleeced the, the Steelers for next year's first round, uh, the, the Saints for next year's first round pick, um, which is great. Moved back down to 27, then jumped back up and got the second best cornerback on the on the board in, in Alexander, who's a really, really good player, feisty, great hands, good feet, will we'll, we'll play outside, will battle, will tackle, a little bit undersized and struggled a bit with a, with a knee injury last season. Um, and his tape wasn't quite as good as the season before, but uh, a really good player. And now, you know, you're going to pair Alexander and Kevin King on the perimeters uh, with Quentin Rollins in there as well. And, you know, you hope the ha-ha Clinton Dix bounces back. Um, I was kind of surprised when they initially traded down when you had Edmonds on the board and you had Derwin James especially on the board. But, you know, it's hard to argue about getting a, a first-round pick next year. Uh, and the reality is that they... <laughs> Sherry sneezing. The reality is that they traded down four or five picks and got a first-round pick for it in terms of getting the Saints pick given you know how they then move back up so uh, you know excellent for the Packers um, and I think uh, I'm a big fan of Alexander I think he's a terrific player and um, you know I, I know that for half an hour but I think so Packers social media was in was in meltdown um, and then it got very happy very quickly so uh, I think they they, they they worked the draft very well there um the Cowboys, Leighton Van Der Esch. I mean, the Cowboys absolutely milked this. They had, they were on the phone. Jerry Jones was on the phone to him within about 30 seconds of being on the clock. And then they let it run all the way down. They brought out former players onto the stage, cheering the crowd up. They're like, I thought J.R. Ewing was going to come out at one stage. I mean, it was so <laughs> ridiculous. It, it, it was classic Jerry. Um, but what do you make of the pick? Yeah, I mean, again, not trying to kind of sign off on all of these picks, but you know, Van Der Esch is a good player. I mean, he's not, I don't think he's a great player, but he's very instinctive. He's going to remind you a little bit of Sean Lee. Um, you know, so they, they've got three, three really good linebackers there with the kid from Notre Dame, Jalen um, um, Smith. Smith, obviously, um, and Lee, who's as good as it is in the league, but, you know, does have an injury history, has some concussion issues, is 32 years of age, so Van Der Esch is a natural replacement for him. You know, there was talk about would they take a receiver? Calvin Ridley was on the board, Sutton was on the board, DJ Moore was on the board, um, but, you know, Van Der Esch is a guy they've loved for a long time uh, and was a home run hit. And, you know, listen, Rod Marinelli will get the most out of th- that, that triumvirate and he will essentially take over from Lee when he's done. Um, and him and Jalen Smith could be, you know, what a partnership that could be on the uh, on the second level for the, for the Cowboys. So, you know, solid pick. And I think, look, we've, we've talked about this a few times through and I look through it and I think, you know, Sam Darnold landing with the Jets with Josh McCown in town. Bradley Chubb landing at the Broncos gets to learn off Von Miller. You get Marcus Davenport getting to work with Cameron Jordan. Leighton Van Der Esch, one of the kind of knocks against him was that he, he's a bit over-aggressive, can overcommit. Guess who he gets to learn off? Sean Lee. Yeah. So, you know, I, I, I love that there's all these teams who've got these great kind of coaches in the locker room. Um, 
The Lions raced in their pick. Literally, I think they picked quicker than Jerry Jones got on the phone to Leighton Van Der Esch to pick Frank Ragnall, the centre out of Arkansas. And then the Bengals kind of pulled a full-on Washington and went, oh, that's what we needed as well. We'll take Billy Price. So we get back-to-back centres. Uh, we, 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 almost, we almost got one of our mock draft picks right with this, with the Bengals, but the Lions just snatched, uh, snatched somebody out from underneath us too quick. Yeah, I think the Bengals were very, you know, certainly from the, some of the Bengals guys that I know were very disappointed that Ragnar went off the board. To me, he was the best centre in the draft, and the, the Lions got a terrific pick. Travis Swanson moving on in free agency. You know, he's going to come in, he could play centre, he could play guard. That Lions offensive line is absolutely outstanding. You know, and if they can pick up a good running back in the second round, you know, somebody like a Kerry on Johnson or somebody like that, they could finally, you know, have their first thousand yard rusher since since Barry Sanders probably um, <laughs> you know in in, um, in our lifetime yeah absolutely um, you know Ragnar is a, a terrific player was injured second half of last season so so didn't uh, didn't play down the stretch but you know you watch him on film and he's just fundamentally sound very very solid at the second level a, a knee bender not a waist bender and what I mean by that is that you know you bend your knees when you make contact because that allows you to place your hands better but it also means that you're not off balance if you bend from the waist it means that you're you know you're you're by the I mean try doing it in your living room or whatever whatever lean forwards and bend at the waist rather than the knees and see what happens to you you become very top heavy you become off balance you fall forwards you know when you're, a, when I you're a, am already there top you heavy go. enough where, when you're uh, when you're blocking somebody, you want to be on the balls of your toes. You want to be you want to be bending your knees because you you know you bounce up and down. You can swivel your hips, and wh- wh- whereas if you lean from your waist, then you're not able to do that. Billy Price tore a tore a muscle, I think a pec muscle, at the combine and the the bench press. Um, there was some talk about whether or not it'd be James Daniels, the kid from Iowa, but you know. Price, a decent player. It's interesting because we talked in the last pod about uh, about Pat Elfline, the the previous incumbent at Ohio State who went 73rd to the Vikings I think Elfheim was a better player than Price Price is on his ass a lot I mean you watch the you watch Ohio State Tate he does fall over he does leave his feet an awful lot which would be a concern for me but he's a tough nosed you know they they lost Russell Bodine in in free agency and and that line's a bit of a disaster so you know they can build certainly build out from around him um you know I would be disappointed taking a centre myself it's not a very glamorous position but you know if you don't have one then you need one he's the guy that touches the ball every every single play so um so yeah two solid picks but nothing that's gonna you know nothing that's gonna be um pulling up trees in terms of excitement but uh, they're probably both 10-year stars um, the Titans then trade up. They only need to give up uh, the 125th pick overall. I think they got one back as well in the seventh round. They did, uh, yeah. To move up from 25 to 22, the Ravens trading back again. And they uh, they moved, essentially, they moved above the Patriots to take Rashawn Evans uh, because we thought that that might end up being the Patriots pick. Only a one-year starter. Um, but the Titans have lost players at that position. They're aging at linebacker. And they actually, they signed Will Compton from, the, from Washington, who is one of my most underrated players in the league. I've got a lot of time for him. But um, they, it was still a position of need and, yeah, not having to give up too much to make sure that they got their man. Yeah, it's a great pick. It's a great pick. And like you say, moved up above the Patriots. You know, he can be a three-down linebacker. He is a three-down linebacker, uh, and it's not even close. Um, but what you can do with him on third down is very interesting. You can drop him into coverage. Or, you know, he's an absolutely outstanding uh, rusher in terms of getting after the quarterback. Uh, and with the Titans having sort of aging uh, defensive ends, you can certainly throw him into the mix as a as a blitzer or as a, even as an edge rusher if that's what you wanted to do on third down. Um, so to me, a very very safe, very sound pick. You know, Alabama linebacker. He'll be. Um, that's a, that's a, he's a nice player. I'm a big fan of Rashawn Evans. Now you gave the Patriots a load of love at the top, so I don't feel like we need to do it again. They get Isaiah win here. Yeah, they get Sony Michelle later on. Two great picks. The Panthers, we thought they might go wide receiver. There was a lot of talk about whether it would be Ridley or Moore uh, in the first round. And, and it seemed like they were 1A and 1B on most people's boards. But a lot of people flip-flopping. They do go with DJ Moore. What do you think of the fit for him in Carolina? Yeah, he's a nice player. I mean, inside-out receiver. Does he play slot? Does he play on the perimeter? kind of don't think it matters. I think he could be creative with him. Um, I, I, I really liked watching him in the ACC at Maryland. He breaks a lot of tackles. He's got return turn value, um, just an all-round solid player. Him and Christian Kirk, the, the kid at Texas A&M, who should go in the second round, both very similar. Anthony Miller, another kid from Memphis, well, you know, all kind of very similar in height, weight, speed guys. Um, so, yeah, I mean, mild surprise that Calvin Ridley wasn't the first guy off the board, given his 
Ponchoff for outstanding route running and the fact that he comes from, you know, Alabama, you know, double national champion. Um, but, uh, you know, you can't argue with more terrific player. Yeah, and I think from a fit perspective, they went out and they they said they got uh, McCaffrey last year in the draft. They've got uh, Curtis Samuel last year in the draft as well. Devin Funches is their big body guy, so it kind of it was a again bit of a need. And um, I still think that you know Greg Olson aging tight end could still be a concern for them at some point. And that's where the Ravens go. The Ravens managed to trade back twice, pick up some extra picks. We'll talk about what they did at the end of it, but. They get Hayden Hurst. Tight end was their biggest position of, of need other than potentially quarterback and, uh, or anything on the defensive front. And, yeah, I, I think they'd be pretty pleased with their night's work for Ozzy. Yeah, Hurst's a good all-round tight end. He can block. Yeah, he's a good receiver. When we talk about Tremaine Edmonds being only 19, Hayden Hurst will be 25 at the start of the season. Um, so that would be a mild concern, but a great kid off the field. And look, the, the, the Ravens' offense is predicated around a great tight end. You only have to look back through history to see how well they've done with terrific tight ends. So, uh, you know, that's a solid pick for Ozzy Newsom. The Falcons then do take Calvin Ridley uh, to play opposite Julio Jones, and they've also got Mo Sanu there still, so it's a real nice receiving core to go with the fact that they're still going to have Freeman and Coleman, as far as we understand it, going into the season, Matt Ryan. Um, yeah, I, there's some potential they could do with some help on the on the interior of the line if there's a decent guard available in the second round. But, you know, strength on strength, their, their offense... Can uh, can get back to where it was two years ago, maybe. Yeah, it's a great pick. And again, you, can you play him? You can play him in the slot. You can play him out wide uh, on the boundary. Great route runner. Great hands. Uh, you know, nuanced, really nuanced NFL route runner. Um, uh, as good as there was in the draft. Uh, so, uh, I think you know he's gonna and he's gonna see a lot of single coverages because you've got Julio Jones there. Um, you know, so he's gonna be matched up one on one and will be asked to win individual battles, which he has shown a, a propensity for doing in the best conference in college football. So it's uh, a, you know a, a very very good value pick there for the Falcons. The Seahawks. I'm gonna I'm gonna paraphrase a tweet that uh, you put out last night because the Seahawks clearly needed defensive help after losing so many of their of their big free agent signings from re- recent years uh, this year. They clearly needed offensive line help, as we discussed in the last draft. What they didn't particularly need was a running back who can't block. Yeah, I mean, listen, I love Russell Wilson. Uh, I think he's probably the third best quarterback in the NFL. Um, but he gets beaten to shreds that offensive line is terrible. He has no he has no talent around him per se apart from Doug Baldwin. Um and you know, listen. Don't get me wrong. Penny is an outstanding running back. He misses, he breaks more tackles than than any back in the draft. He returns seven kickoffs for touchdowns. He is a brilliant, pure running back. He cannot block for Toffee. I mean, he's a terrible in pass protection. His his pass at the Senior Bowl was a omni shambles. And you throw on some of his San Diego State oh, tape. I missed omni shambles. <laughs> you throw on some of his San Diego State tape and. That is a real concern. So you worry about whether or not he's going to be a three-down player when he can't block. So you're getting Russell Wilson help with one hand, but you're sort of eliminating it with the other because you know that he's going to get battered because the guy can't pass protect. But um, as a pure running back, I think he's an excellent. You know, he's an, he's an excellent, excellent player. I'm just not entirely sold that that was what the Seahawks could have been doing, should have been doing, would have been best suited doing you know you've got Mike Hughes on the board you've got Joshua Jackson on the board you know was that the value pick for the Seahawks so you know don't get me wrong really really nice running back really good back Um, I'm just not sure that was the value uh, the Steelers provide us with the feel-good moment of the night, as we've talked about Terrell Edmonds we get brothers taken in the first round bit of a reach bit of a reach I think yeah I think, you I think, know, I think with Jesse Bates page. and Ronnie Harrison on the board, I think that was a bit of a reach, I've got to say. Um, you know, Edmonds, physical, long, can hit, but doesn't really know what he's doing out there. You know, he's going to need coaching up. Uh, there was some talk about him going in the first round. Kudos to, to guys like Jason Lackenfora, who um, who had him going in the first round earlier in the week, and people were very sniffy about it. But, um, you know, he nailed that one. But that's uh, a surprise for me, I think. 
Uh, the Jags take Taven Bryan. Taven Bryan himself even said he was surprised to end up at the Jags. This is the definition of strength on strength for that uh, for that defensive line. Explosive, amazing combine workout. Only a one-year starter, but I mean, we're going to be speaking with um, we're going to be speaking with Calais Campbell and Yannick Ngokwe tomorrow, who are both in town for uh, they fly in tomorrow morning, I think, on Saturday for the Jags third day let's get london fans to make the picks picks um so i'll ask those guys what they think about it but you know like i say strength on strength for the drags yeah and, and look you know calais campbell i mean they've got decisions to make soonish on calais campbell and on the the guy that they brought in from malik jackson from denver um and on and dante fowler you know um so at, at some point in terms of financial decisions you know, you, you can't pay all of them. Does Dante Fowler, is Fowler allowed to walk? Because you can kick Brian outside as well. Is, uh, is Malik Jackson allowed to walk after next season in terms of, you know, that big, that big contract? Uh, so, yeah, strength on strength. You kind of feel like, come on, if you're Blake Bortles, g- give him some help, you know, get some receivers, draft a Dallas Goda at a tight end. You know, you've got Christian Kirk on the board, you've got Miller on the board, you've got a big receiver like Cortland Sutton on the board. You know, help the kid out you know I mean we all know he's not the greatest NFL quarterback but I kind of question that uh, Brian's a good pick and he will remind you a little bit of JJ Watt at times but uh, I don't know that for me feels a little bit uh, feels a little bit much when you're adding extra talent to that defensive line given how bang average that offense is and you know the reason the Jaguars lost to New England in the playoffs was not because that defense wasn't brilliant it was because Balls didn't have enough talent himself and around him to, to put that game away. And that feels like a missed opportunity for me. Trust was the other problem for me because I think he did have enough talent to put that game away. Uh, and they, they took the, the plays out of his hands and it didn't work. Um, when, you, you know, when you get rid of Alan Robinson and Alan Hearns, you, you know, who's, who's playing receiver for them? You know, it's a, it's a concern. D.D. Westbrook. No. Uh, maybe they're in the Des, uh, Des conversation. Um, who knows? Right. The Minnesota Vikings, Mike Hughes, uh, cornerback out of uh, the UCF Knight. I mean, they've already got Xavier Rhodes and Trey Waynes there, so you imagine he'll be nickel from kind of day one if he's a day one starter. Yeah, Mac um, Alexander's a, you know, struggled at, at the nickel position. Hughes is a perfect fit inside or outside. Um, feisty player, good tackler, and return, return game value. So that's a value pick there as well. There's some talk about some potential off-the-field concerns, which some thought was why he was potentially slipping yeah, a little bit. They're definitely but there. Um, guess what? Mike Zimmer, that's who you want dealing with a guy with off-the-field concerns. Yeah. You do not mess with the Zim. Um, the Patriots take Sony Michelle. We've given this pick a lot of love, but you know, movable, violent runner. He was being compared last night to Alvin Kamara. I don't think he's as good a pass catcher as Alvin Kamara, but... He potentially, I mean, he he moves in there and he becomes the best running back on the roster straight away. Yeah, 100%. Um, and then the Ravens, they do give us the fifth quarterback in the first round. Trade back in that valuable fifth-year option, obviously a massive deal. You talked about it earlier, bookending the draft with two Heisman Trophy winners. It's the third time that's happened ever. For, once was Winston and Mariota and the other was... Uh, Tebow and, was it Tebow and Bradford in the same draft? If you say so, Willie. Uh, so one of those is not like the other. Um, yes. So Lamar Jackson comes in. They give up a second round pick next year, as well as a that pick that they got from Tennessee in the in the fifth round. Um, Joe Flacco has no guaranteed money after this year, and they are set up from a Lamar Jackson perspective. They have uh, Marty Morningwake there, who worked with Michael Vick. They've got Michael Vick's old QB coach from when he was in Philadelphia. And they've got Greg Roman as assistant head coach and tight ends coach who worked with Kaepernick during his successful years at the 49ers. If there's a coaching staff set up to get the best out of Lamar Jackson, you'd probably argue it's the one in Baltimore. Yeah, I mean, Joe Flacco's been on watch now for 18 months, I think. So it was a wise, wise decision, like you say, no guaranteed money into his 30s. Has struggled, you know pretty pretty badly over the last two seasons really season and a half so it was kind of a no-brainer really and kind of Aussie Newsom's parting gift was a potential superstar quarterback you know if he can stay healthy because you worry about the frame I know he was 215 at the combine I suspect he plays at around 204 um, which is not ideal Um, but you know here's a guy that you can you can help grow in behind a you know a proper professional like Joe Flacco and you know hopefully they can uh, 
once Flacco's gone, they can build an offense that suits Jackson's uh, suits Jackson's what he does best. And you know, he ran he ran a very complex offense at at, at Louisville under Bobby Petrino. Um, so hopefully they will um they will work out how to get the best out of him. I certainly hope they don't you know do anything stupid with him like play him at receiver or you know get him to return kicks. That would be beyond beyond ridiculous. But uh, well, you know, nice nice pick for them. They've got. Uh, they, they went and got themselves a nice new tight end. They've been improving that receiving core. I don't, you know, they don't have a pure number one, but they've got a bunch of really good number twos. Um, they they have uh, uh, Ronnie Stanley. They took in the first round last year. Decent interior to their line. I, you know, the Ravens' offense for the first time in quite a while is set up to be decent. Um, let's just hope that you know, if he if if he proves himself early on, um, I don't want them to just go. No, he has to sit for the whole year. Uh, I'd, I'd rather they started to build the offense around him. Just let's get going. Let's go. I want to see Lamar Jackson. Uh, I don't want to see no more Joe Flacco. Don't don't continue to submit me to that. Um, brilliant stuff. I, we should do it like this more often. You know, forget we, forget Sherry. Forget Ollie. We're done. Those well, big I mean, sleepy bears. Exactly. We're um. This this it's the A team. Will uh, think, I'm, <laughs> think I'm comfortable in saying that. Who just very quickly you, you mentioned a few names earlier? Who should people be watching out at the top end of that second draft, uh, second round tomorrow? Uh, we, Today, yeah. oh Qu- god, it's all gone wrong in my head. Quarterbacks wise, Mason Rudolph, Carla Letter are probably the two best quarterbacks on the board. Running backs wise, you're looking at Darius Geis of LSU, Kerryon Johnson, receivers Christian Kirk, Anthony Miller, Cortland Sutton all should come off fairly early. There should be a run on receivers at tight end. Dallas Goda, Mike Jasicki, Mark Andrews, Ian Thomas. Um, on the offensive line, Will Hernandez, who I think was very unlucky not to go in the first round. Austin Corbett of Nevada, um, Jamarco Jones, Orlando Brown potentially, um, James Daniels, the centre of Iowa. Defensively, you know, where do teams feel Maurice Hurst is? He's a top twelve player for me, but you know, where does he go with the heart issues that some teams took him off the board? A guy like Harrison Phillips, we mentioned earlier on, of Stanford, Nate Shepard of of um, of Fort Hayes State, defensive end wise, uh, Harold Landry. You're looking at Sam Hubbard of Ohio State. Uh, linebackers, where are we with linebackers? Malik Jefferson of Texas, Fred Warner of BYU, Darius Leonard of South Carolina State. Uh, cornerback wise, uh, where are we on cornerbacks? Crikey, not had much sleep. Uh, Joshua Jackson, obviously, still on the board. MJ. MJ Stewart of North Carolina would be a player I'd be very, uh, very happy about. And then safeties, we talked about Jesse Bates, Ronnie Harrison, Kazir White, Tavarius Moore. There's some terrific players still out there. So it'll be a very interesting day too. Exciting. Looking, looking forward, forward to, to it. it. <laughs> uh, we, we'll have another podcast out at the kind of start-ish of next week. Uh, looking back over all of it, we'll hear from Calais Campbell and Yannick Ngokwe and their thoughts on the Jags draft and also that big Wembley stadium move. We didn't talk about that in this show because we just wanted to talk about the draft. But obviously, we'll talk about that at the start of next week and what that means for the impact of NFL in the UK. Uh, I normally ask Ollie this, but Simon, any final thoughts? I'm done, Willie. Yeah, it's fine. I, I hit the golf links. <laughs> Well, enjoy that, mate. Uh, Simon Clancy, thank you to you and to Sherry for so lovingly stepping aside, not like him in any way, shape or form. Uh, don't forget, visit Dallas.com, visit Fort, and, uh, sorry, Fort Worth. Dot com uh, to check out Visit Dallas and Fort Worth and we did a, an event with them last night and they were showing us some of the highlights of the area that we hadn't necessarily seen before. It's well worth a visit this season and if you're thinking about going touchdown trips are the guy to do, guys to do it with. We should, as well at the beginning of next week, be announcing our tour. We're just waiting on ticket prices. We managed to make one mess up with one of the games we were intending to potentially go to, realising that it was in a completely different place to where we thought it was but otherwise we, uh, it, it's looking pretty sexy. So so keep an eye out there, touchdowntrips.com. Thank you, Simon. Thank you, guys. This has been The Gridiron Show. Hooray.